on the way to getting you a Coke slushy, uh-huh. I saw this woman in head to toe pink camo. No. And I was like, wait, what are you hunting? <laughs> Flamingos? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joey! Hi, honey. Pink camo. It's very Mary J. Blige circa 2000. <laughs> circa the beginning of the odds. Hi, everyone! Hi, Hi Joseph! Hello, Yellen Marsh. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for the Coke slushy, by the way. I mean, Joey got me hooked on Coke slushies, and now every time I pass the 7-Eleven on the way to work, I can't not get a Coke slushie. They're so fucking good. In New Orleans, did you know I'm from New Orleans? No, say more. Don't tell anyone! <laughs> but there was a, what we call the time saver up the block, and I used to walk there all the time and get a Coke icy. I am addicted. You could just drive in and get a Coke if you're thirsty. If you're th- <laughs> God, I wish I was in the show! I'm not kidding. I think we need to have a Zoom like watch party where we watch Guffman because we quote it way too much. I'm so down. I we love- should do it for the drama Speaking of which, Drama Club! Join the Drama Club. That is our bonus content that we bring to you. You get three bonus episodes a month, plus you get ad-free episodes, plus you get our close friends circle. We have done, oh man, here we go. We have done See No Evil, Evil Lives Here, Snapped. We've given a you lot of evil. Who the Police. So much evil. <laughs> it's a story of my exes. <laughs> We've given you Who the Bleep. What did we just cover? Fry Thy Neighbor. <gasps> and we were Fry so ready to be neighbor. done with Fry Thy Neighbor. We were like, okay, I'm going and I'm living in the middle of the country. Actually, you can't even say that because there was that one where they lived in the middle of the country I and mean, they still fried their neighbors. Thank God for BetterHelp because BetterHelp got me through this. Oh, my stars. And now we are about to start Pink Collar Crimes. So if you feel like you want a little bit more of Joey and I, you can head on over to our website. Click the Patreon link. You can see all the bonus stuff that you have. We're going to have some live shows coming up. Yeah. We're going to be dropping our merch soon. Yeah. What else? Do I need to tell them anything else? You might see me topless. Don't tell them that because then they've all seen me topless. When you don't deliver like the prude that I know that you are. <laughs> I, I am not a prude. Listen, we had the TCO live show and you did not open mouth kiss. Oh, wait, I said I was going to open mouth kiss people. <laughs> I didn't promise to open mouth kiss anyone. <laughs> I hugged. I will always hug. Also, how amazing was the show last night? It was night? so amazing. It was hilarious and it was really sweet and sentimental. I am telling you, if Patrick could put that picture of like his eighth grade with the Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> and the mullet. He, if he could get a billboard in Times Square with that picture, he would. It was so it's cute. It's called a glow up, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do the show? Oh, yeah. We're doing a show, aren't we? Yeah, I, sometimes I forget. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 8, A Family Man, tells the story of the disappearance of Robert Hoagland. When a man fails to pick up his wife at the airport, it sets off alarms. I waited and I waited and two hours later, I was like, I don't know where he is. Monday night, I get a call from Lori saying, is Hoagie with you? I'm like, well, why would Hoagie be with me? The more I found out and the more I heard, the more frightened I got. Back at home, Everything he owns seems to still be there. His shoes were here, his keys were here, his wallet was here. It didn't make any sense as to how he could have disappeared. Police are baffled when searches for the devoted father of three turn up nothing. You really wonder where could this suspicious disappearance have occurred? Did Robert Hoagland walk away from his life? Or is he the victim of foul play? How do you explain somebody just vanishing off the face of the earth. So here we are. We are in, oof, my heart skipped a beat. I gotta be honest. As soon as I saw the title, we are in New Town, Connecticut, friends. So it's the morning of July 28th, 2013 in New Town, Connecticut. Now, I have to ask you a question. What? When they founded Newtown in 1705, yes, I Googled it. Look at I Googled you! it. I Googled it, but I apparently can't say Google. What did you say? Googled it? I Googled it. Okay. <laughs> but do you think the discussion of what to name the joint was something like, hmm, okay, <laughs> names, names. Uh-huh. Well, Jamestown is already taken. Yep, yep. If we wanted to name it after what's happening in this neck of the woods, death by smallpox doesn't exactly have like a welcome home <laughs> ring to it. Huh. The town is new. It's a new town. New town. We all in favor of new town. Say aye. Aye. Let's go for beers. Yeah, they didn't Mas- have Panera back mozzarella then. Mozzarella 
sticks. <laughs> I think they've got mozzarella sticks. Mozzarella sticks for everyone. <laughs> and we're in Newtown, Connecticut. So Robert Hoagland, who's 50 years old, he's up early in the morning. My worst nightmare. Uh, truly. And his son Chris tells us that he would bring home a dozen bagels every weekend. Hoagie, as his friends and family call him, next heads to a local gas station. He purchases a map. He was a map guy. He didn't have GPSs. He had maps to go everywhere. He had 10,000 maps, you know, inside doors, pockets of his cars. I Googled it. Do you know when MapQuest was invented? No. Take a guess. MapQuest? Yeah. Oh, like 93? Good, very close. 1996. Oh, okay. Yeah. The kids will, I've said this, because before GPS, you had to pre-plan that. You, you got the directions, but you had to print it out at home. Listen to me. Maps to me are like Trump supporters. I can't read them. I don't know what's happening with them, okay? <laughs> you just never know. But we're going to learn Hoagie, he loved a map. Yeah, he did. And Hoagie's friend Dave Smith says the man loved him so much, he probably owned like 10,000 maps. It's a lot of maps. Where do you store 10,000 maps? It's a lot of maps. You think he was exaggerating? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Hoagie heads back home to the Sandy Hook section of Newtown to share some bagels with his middle son, 23-year-old Max. Now, yes, this is Sandy Hook, sadly, mm-hmm. where there was that tragic school shooting. Yep, we're going to talk about that yes, later. Yes, we will. Yep. Um, and bless these people. That town has been through so you, much. You can't not see that name of that town and not feel something. Absolutely. Yeah. So we learned that Hoagie's wife's name is Lori, and she's on a trip to Turkey, to which I say, go off, you world-traveling <laughs> bitch! She's like, I'm not going to Carl Springs, Florida, honey. Uh-uh, I'm going to Turkey. She's an adventurous bitch. You want to go to Palm Springs? No, bitch! Let's go to Turkey! Turkey! <laughs> Not Turkey! Uh, <laughs> you better go see the world. Yeah, if you're thirsty. While it's still here. Oh, gosh. Hoagie has long been a dedicated family man to his wife and three sons. He always made sure to make time to hang out with us. He always tried to incorporate everybody as a family into, you know, certain fun activities um, before his work. Work came second family came first and he would have done anything for my brothers and my mother and myself so now we get a little backstory on hoagie and we learned that he's always been a family man he loved hanging out with his wife and his three sons and made sure they came first and work came second i call dads like that barbecue dads why because you know those dads which my dad was not one of them you know those dads that are like sup this is the TRX-7. <laughs> like, he just they, they just want the biggest barbecue. Absolutely. And they're always at the barbecue. They yeah. don't enjoy the party. But anyway, <laughs> Hoagie was the barbecue dad. And we get their backstory, Lori and Hoagie. Hoagie and Lori met in their early 20s at the Culinary Institute of America. And I was sitting with my roommate on the softball field. And his team was coming on. And I saw him walking towards the field. And I said, you see that one over there? And she said, yeah, I said, I want that one. I'm going to marry him. Lori turns to her roommate and says, <laughs> see that one over there? I want that one. Yep. I'm going to marry him. And I'm like, okay, Lori, you better claim your prize. I like a woman who knows what she wants and who also judges a book by its cover. <laughs> because I'm the same. I don't want you laying on top of me unless you look a certain way. Me and Lori, I'm just saying. He, oh, I'm his, agreeing with his you. His eyeballs are sticking oh, out no, of Oh, no, no, I agree with you. I'm just saying, Lori's my kind of lady. We can have some margaritas Listen, together. she got her man because they graduate and shortly after they have their oldest son, Chris, and then they get married. Yeah. I love it. I know. And she just says, honestly, like what a good man he was. Yeah. And so Lori at 25 becomes a teacher at a high school and she teaches culinary art. What? High school has culinary arts. That's like cooking. Honey, we barely had an English teacher at my high school. I'm just saying, like, you know, people think of, like, home economics as some old-fashioned 50s type of thing. But let me tell you, I got to college and I had to call my mom how to bake a potato. I wish we had had that. I honestly do. People should know how to mend shit, sew a button. Fix a tire. I mean, all of those things. Honestly. That's things that you should. I mean, now you can go on YouTube and find anything. But, like, give me a year of home ec. I'll take a home ec class now. I would take a home ec. Oh, let's do that home ec with Joey and Ellen, but we don't know how to do it. <laughs> we figure it out with you and we just watch the YouTube series with you. <gasps> Is this our million dollar idea? That's fine, but I'm not replacing a toilet. Uh, no, 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 thank you. No, I really, really didn't know how to. My mom was a single mom. She was like, not going to teach me how to do things. She's like, let me just get home and cook. Like, I'm not going to sit and teach you stuff. You know? Sure. Yeah. I always ask my mom to make teach me how to make gumbo. And the minute we would start, she'd be like, get out of the kitchen. I, 
It's too much. I know, I'm the same way. 25 years later, Lori teaches culinary arts at a local high school. But Hoagie became disillusioned with the restaurant business years ago. He realized that doing the business that he was doing, he was missing his children's life because the hours of, you know, of a chef or a cook are, are ridiculous. And so Hoagie made an effort to be involved by sort of changing the entire course of his career. It turns out that Hoagie loved to cook, but working in the kitchen, it took up so much of his time, he didn't have time to be there for his kids. So he was like, you know what? I'm switching gears. So in 2001, he studied to get his license as a real estate appraiser, and it freed up time for him and his kids and his family. And turns out, he not only liked it, he was really good at it. Yeah, and I just I just empathize with that choice because that is obviously what he loved to do because him and his wife, you know, studied. But like that sort of like never-ending struggle of like, you know, prioritizing prioritizing time with your kids, but then having the means to give your kids a nice family, that's always such a hard decision. So I know it's hectic, but it's also like being in a show. Every night, that like excitement of being in the kitchen. I'm sure we have some chefs who listen. Hey, chefs. Hi, chefs. How do you bake a potato? (sighs) How do you mince an onion? (laughs) (laughs) So all to say, after he left that hectic kitchen lifestyle, he like never missed a game. My dad missed plenty for everybody, so it's fine. (laughs) But like he was able to kind of be that like real hands-on dad that he always wanted to be. I thought that was so sweet. And you can see his oldest son, Chris, talked about how much that meant to him. Yeah, Yeah. And it's very sweet. So then in summer of 2012, Hoagie began moonlighting as a clerk at a family friend's law firm in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is about 30 minutes away from his home. Now, Hoagie didn't have any sort of legal background, but his friend needed help, and Hoagie was like, I got you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a testament to what kind of man this guy totally. was. Totally. And then not Christopher said everything seemed usual. Uh-uh. Is that uh-uh. not Christopher still? It's still not Christopher. I think we got we have a couple more episodes till we get back it to Christopher. It does sound like him a little. No, it doesn't. Okay, great. Don't insult Christopher. I'm so sorry. Christopher, does that sound like you? No, Joseph. Nothing like me. Okay, all right. I'm sorry, Christopher. I love you. I've never met you, but I'd like to, and I'd like you to whisper sweet nothings in my ear. It's okay, Joey. Pass on the sweet nothings. Well, that was very Blanche Devereaux of me. Okay. All right. All <laughs> I right. love you, Christopher. <laughs> love you, Alan. I like you, Christopher. <laughs> Bye, Joey. So it's 11 a.m. on that Sunday. Remember, he's just brought home those delicious warm bagels because they're only good when they're warm. With the schmear. With the schmear. A hoagie is mowing the lawn and Max comes up and he's like, hey, dad, can I borrow the keys to the car? And he borrows hoagie's car and goes out. Now, remember, Lori is still in Turkey. Yeah. And according to some of their friends, hoagie had said how excited he was that his wife Lori was coming home. And he had mentioned that he was, in fact, Picking her up from the airport. Right. But when Lori emailed to say what time she was getting in, she never heard back. And I mean, she was just like, I mean, okay, I'm sure, whatever. He just didn't check his email. So she gets in that Monday afternoon and she doesn't see Hoagie at the airport. So she starts calling his cell phone. I imagine her texting being like, hello. (laughs) And then like a hello with like seven question marks. Like, hello. Yep. Yep. Lori arrives late Monday afternoon. I was excited to, you know, to see him, and he wasn't there. So I started dialing Hoagie's cell phone number, and there was no answer. I waited, and I waited, and, you know, two hours later, I was like, I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on. So Lori waits two hours. That's about an hour 45 longer than I would wait before I would have hopped in the cab. (laughs) I'd be like, this bitch. (laughs) But she thinks he forgot, right? Yeah, so she is getting a little bit worried. Worried enough to call his boss and be like, hi, Hoagie was supposed to come pick me up. Have you heard from him? Turns out Hoagie didn't show up to work that day and he hadn't even called to say he wasn't coming. Right. And Lori's kind of like, is he being a typical dude? And he forgot and he messed up the dates, which is exactly what I would think. And then she's like, okay. So she's like calling, you know, around his friends. She's like, I'm sure maybe he's out at the Regal Beagle. How dare you, Regal (laughs) Beagle? Having vodka sodas without her... (laughs) And 
So she's like, maybe he went to Cape Cod and he found. She's thinking of all these scenarios, which isn't, you know, out of the ordinary. I get that. People forget people. I forget yeah. what day it is. The other day it was Thursday. I swore it was Tuesday all day long. I will say that I'm that person like, oh, Ellen didn't answer the call. She's missing. <laughs> I'm not joking. I will be like, you something's wrong. You and Patrick could go live on an <laughs> island by your worried selves. <laughs> so Lori, after a couple hours, is like, all right, I'm grabbing a cab and I'm going to my stepsister's house and literally calls everyone at that point. So then she calls Hoagie's best friend, Dave Smith, who was the one who talked about Hoagie owning 10,000 maps. And he's like, yeah, I haven't seen or heard from Hoagie all day. So now Lori is really worried, coming up with all the scenarios. You know what I mean? Like, it's upsetting. So by that night at 7 p.m., Lori's like, well, I'm calling the cops. Yeah. Around 9 p.m. Monday, a Bridgeport police officer spots Hoagie's vehicle parked where it shouldn't be. A rather rundown section of Bridgeport known for drug activity. Um, Typical for any officer who finds a vehicle that's parked in that area to run it. The officer asks for the driver's ID. It's Hoagie's son, Max. So they go to this car and they know it's Hoagie's car because they've run the plates, right? And so they ask the driver for his ID and it's Hoagie's son, Max. Yes, and, and, and but the thing is, is Hoagie's not with him. Yeah. So the cop, realizing whose vehicle this belongs to, calls Lori. Now, Lori is shocked to hear that Max is in that part of town. Now, we should tell you that a year prior to this, Max had been arrested for shoplifting to get money for drugs. We know that addiction is a disease and it can make you do some wild things. So I'm just going to take this moment to say, if you are battling addiction, there is help out there for you. There are resources and you don't have to go through this alone. But I've been through this with family as well. Max had recently moved back in with his parents after living with his grandmother. It wasn't working out. So his parents were like, we're going to take you back in and we're going to try to work this out. Yeah, he was just in a place. And Lori was like, okay, Max, well, you were the last person that saw him. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I saw him when he gave me the keys. I mean, he was mowing the lawn on that Sunday. And then, oddly enough, I went back home on that Sunday night and he wasn't there. And then I woke up the next morning and then I called him a bunch of times and he never answered. And I was like, did you want to call your mom? (laughs) Did you want to mention this, Max? I don't think he was in the right frame of mind, apparently. I mean, it's definitely a ball drop. Yeah, so Max admits immediately to being in this area for drugs. And, like, that is literally what Patrick would do. They'd be like, sir, what are you doing? I have drugs! (laughs) I have drugs, and I shouldn't be here! And he would just start confessing to stuff and be like, and in the seventh grade! They're like, it's fine, sir, just give us the drugs. No, I have more to say! (laughs) They'd be like, okay, Chunk from Goonies, we don't need the whole... I love it. Chunk! I want you to spill your guts, tell us everything. Oh, the best. Also, I have to take a moment now to tell you something. There was a reenactment of Max getting caught in the car. Yeah. And, bitch, I've been waiting for this moment. Spit it out. I I wasn't sure it would ever come, but I'm glad that this day has arrived. The actor playing Max is my friend Mike Milan. No. Yes. No. Mike Milan. How did you not tell me this before we recorded? Because I wanted to tell you. Do you know who Mike Milan is? No. Mike Milan was in Margaritaville with Brett Thiel. He is one of the funniest people I've ever met. I had to improv a scene for that movie, Bros. That was very funny. Yes, but that movie's coming out in the fall. But I called him and FaceTimed with him, and he is one of the funniest people I have ever met in my life. He is brilliant. This one? That's him. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I called him today, and I was like, to make sure it was him, and he's like, yes, bitch, that is me. And I was like, stop it. He also told me he did reenactment work on a show called I Killed My Best Friend, in which he played a murderous janitor. Anyway, he is one of the funniest people you ever met. He was in the CBS showcase like uh, in LA Joey. Is, uh, oh, oh uh, uh, hey hey it's Mike hi Mike um, Mike? yeah hi Joey I love you so much thank thank you so much for um giving me a shout out but uh, I actually don't need you listing my resume credits on your little podcast or whatever so thank you so much um my lawyers will be in contact <laughs> okay well then forget I mentioned you uh, we, we love your work Mike great work as son Max compelling is, is that on your IMDB <laughs> so that night Lori Fonz had all this information it's a lot to take in Hoagie is missing 
Max is arrested for trespassing that night because, uh, you know, the drugs and the parking and whatever. So Lori is overwhelmed. She's upset. She's worried. Her stepsister drives her to a friend's house because she didn't want to go back to her house. And then the next morning, which was Tuesday, she finally goes to check out the house and see what's there. She finds his loafers, which she's like, uh, those are the shoes he wears all day, every day. And then his clothes were in the laundry. His sneakers were by the lawnmower in the garage, which she said was exactly where they would have been. His passport is home. His phone is there. His medication, everything was there except his wallet and his keys. So the police find nothing in the home that could indicate where Hoagie might have gone or what could have happened to him. Now, sadly, just six months prior, Lieutenant Robinson, who had been assigned to Hoagie's case, had also been assigned to the Sandy Hook school shooting, which was a terrible Shocking event, and it really left the residents, alongside many Americans, completely traumatized. Yeah. So he's just basically saying how this town had never really fully recovered. And then he starts sort of weighing in on Hoagie's case, and he's like, Ah, uh, did he walk away? And just as I'm about to say, come on, stop, oh, not this again. Then Lieutenant says this. Mr. Hoagland had disappeared from his family at one time earlier in their life when they were living out in California. And that was a lot to take in. So now we get the backstory on the time that Hoagie disappeared on purpose. So we flash back to 1994. Great year. 19 years earlier when their kids were little and the family had followed their dream to California. So they packed up their three boys, put their stuff in a U-Haul, and headed out there with no place to live and no job. And Laurie's like, yeah, in hindsight, Not the smartest idea. Yeah. (laughs) I always like looking back at my choices and being like, I could have done something different there. Honey, I moved to New York with $300 in my pocket and I slept on my friend's sofa for three months. Oh, how very star to be of you. (laughs) NYC. Oh, I was in another case. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So they just kind of figured that they would find their way and that proved to be a little bit more difficult than they thought. I mean, it is very different when you come with, you know, three bucks, one bag, one me. What is it? Three bucks, two bags, one me. (laughs) It's a little different than going with the whole family and three kids. It was tougher for Hoagie to get a job than the Hoaglands had imagined. Finally, he got work as a chef at a country club. After several weeks, things seemed to be going well. So one morning as he's headed out to work, he says goodbye to Lori and to not wait up for him that night because they have a lot of functions at the country club and it's going to be a super late night. So he says, I love you. Have a good day. And then he left, but he didn't come home. He never came home. And so later on, they found that Hoagie had been let go from the country club two days prior and he didn't come home till three weeks later. And basically he was feeling scared. He was feeling ashamed. But also, it turns out, he really wasn't good at being sneaky. No, he wasn't. Yeah, because, like, he had the family car and the credit cards, and I was like, you're not very good at disappearing. Yeah, they were able to locate him pretty quickly. And when they got to him, he was like, I went off to make some money. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I was embarrassed I couldn't provide for the kids. And I wanted to go out and find work and make money. It does not seem logical no. right now sitting here. But being in that frame of mind of panic and being scared and I have these mouths to feed, he just fled. And I was actually really shocked when they took that left turn. He literally just up and left for three weeks because just as I was about to be like, People don't go missing. Oh, shit. Yeah. He went missing. I know. And Lieutenant Robinson says, we don't know if this was a dry run for something he may try in the future. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. 19 years is a real long time to plot something. I I can't imagine wanting to get out of your situation and making a plan that won't go into effect until 19 years later. (laughs) Honey, it's called the long game, baby. (laughs) I've been playing it for years. For what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Something's going to give, though. Something's going to go my way. Could I can be. feel it. <laughs> Ooh, no. Is anyone listening? Tracking Hoagie's credit card purchases, police trace his movements on the Sunday he disappeared. Witnesses put him at the bagel shop and not long after at the mobile station. Security cameras inside captured the last known images of Hoagie before he vanished. 
present day. And they track his credit cards and they check the surveillance. They sort of trace his steps from that Sunday, right? They trace him from the bagel shop. He goes to that gas station and we see the last image of him and it's sort of eerie. You know, a lot of people have messaged us about covering that new show called Final Moments for mm. our Patreon. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it always kind of like sends chills down my spine when you're just like, wait, is that the last image of them? It's so eerie. Yeah. It's very eerie. Now, there's also footage of him at his bank the Thursday before his disappearance withdrawing $600, which the cops believe supports their theory that he may intentionally have gone missing. So all of this compounded with the fact that he had already disappeared. And then remember, he went to the gas station and he purchased that map of the eastern United States. Yeah. So they were like, so maybe he's still not very good at this. Uh, Totally. You know what I mean? Although his wife says, like, look, that was a different time. It was different circumstances. I don't believe that he would do that now. And it does have to be said that, like, we see the video surveillance and he doesn't appear to be doing anything shady or out of the ordinary or anything. He seems actually, like, damn near, like, like chipper. Yeah, like he doesn't see- look conflicted. Yeah. Also, on top of that, we see footage of him at his bank the Thursday before his disappearance withdrawing $600, which the cops believe somehow supports their theory that he may have intentionally gone missing. Yeah. $600 is not a lot of money if you're trying to disappear. Yeah, where are you going with 600 bucks? Yeah, I mean, like even not- Scott Peterson had, you know, $10,000 yeah, or fifteen gonna- or whatever it was. $600. How much do I need? Well, 600 should do it. He's you can't like wipe a- your ass for $600. He's like, I'll just get, I'll get corn dogs at the <laughs> 7-Eleven with my cup slushies. <laughs> Good plan. But the thing is, if he was truly like, I'm out of here, why would he have left so many things back home? Like his loafers, which don't ever wear your shoes in my house. <laughs> his medication that he took daily, his cell phone, his passport, and thousands of dollars in his Say, mm-hmm. yeah. A neighbor backs up Max's account that Hoagie was mowing the lawn on Sunday. It seems an odd thing to do for a man who is planning to disappear. It is the thing that Hoagie would do um, for me because I'm coming home and he was getting the house ready for me to come back. And that is honestly who he was. That's what he would do. So now another neighbor comes forward and they're like, nope, I definitely saw Hoagie, you know, mowing that lawn on Sunday. And Lori was like, you know, actually, but that would have been in his nature to sort of fix up the house if I was gone, you know, to make it look nicer. And she explains that one time she went away and when she came back, he had this little cute handmade cutout, like a little Valentine that said, I was lonely. I missed you while you were gone. We saw it. It was so cute. Wow. What? Excuse me real quick. Better help. <laughs> Can we get better help in here? I'm just saying happily ever after isn't a fairy tale. It's a choice. Oh, and I'm just saying call your therapist. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if I was about to dip out and leave my home and family... I'm not going to be too concerned with the upkeep of the lawn. I'll probably be like, fuck that grass. Disneyland, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also, like, there is nothing worse than coming home from vacation to a messy house. I know. It is know. actually infuriating. Yeah, yeah. I, I always try to remind myself to make the bed when I'm leaving at, like, 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> and then I come home, I'm like, you slob. <laughs> That's the worst part about living alone is because you have no one to blame for your mess. You're like, who's... Di- you got two cats and a daughter you can blame. <laughs> oh, those ca- those cats will knock a fucking cup off, though. I-, I will hear a crash. Oh, yeah. They have broken. So- those- they owe me $22.99. <laughs> Minimum in glasses. Good luck getting it out of them. <laughs> so now we're 10 days into the investigation, and detectives, they don't know what to think. They're like, I don't know whether yeah. to scratch my watch or wind my butt. Thank you, Dolly Parton <laughs> and Steel Magnolias. <laughs> so remember how Lori said he had taken his... What did you write? What did you do? What is it? Oh, God. Read what that says. Wallet and... Wallet and khaki. Yeah, my wallet and my khaki. (laughs) Oh, I literally wrote... Well, because I voice text. I talk in Sharon's voice. Yeah, my wallet and my khaki. (laughs) (laughs) Read your damn line. What did you mean to say? He's been taking his wallet and car key. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a fucking khaki! (laughs) I can't believe I wrote that as Sharon. But here's what gave me chills. Lori, this is two weeks after Hoagie's disappearance, she found both of them. They had been hidden underneath a doll that Uh, was... Not a doll. A creepy doll. 
But that's not the actual doll, you think? I don't know, but it was a creepy doll. It does look a little bit like Annabelle. Yeah. But sitting underneath the doll that was just chilling on a chair in their bedroom. Yeah. So the two missing pieces of that puzzle that they thought could lead somewhere were now in her possession. Yeah, so they were like, so he didn't go missing on purpose? Now, we have to go back to saying their son, Max, who was dealing with addiction, was living with them. And they were hiding everything. They were hiding yeah. everything that they that they thought that maybe he could steal and hawk for drug money. This is what Lori says. Like, they had been hiding stuff. So she was saying maybe he had, hid, hidden. had hidden that from Max. Or maybe he hid it to, like, get a head start. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been in that situation where you've had to hide things from a family yeah. member who is dealing with addiction. It is a very stressful way to live. And so when I saw that, I was like, I mean, that very well could be what happened. Yeah. Also, that's yeah. not a, if you're hiding and you're disappearing, that's not a very good hiding place. Yeah. I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I wouldn't move that creepy doll. So it actually is a pretty good hiding place. Hoagie's oldest son, Chris, gets the news on Tuesday, two days after his father disappeared. On Wednesday, he arrives to comfort his mother. It was very hard. I've never experienced anything like that before. I've never heard of anybody experiencing losing a father in a way where he's disappeared. So we learned that Chris Hoagie's eldest son, who lives in South Carolina, decides it's time to come up to Connecticut, you know, to help his mom. He's there by Wednesday. He's also scared and confused. And then best friend David is over in the corner dropping these truth bombs that I actually don't appreciate because he's like... Same. Here, there's, there's two outcomes. Either he took off on her or he's dead. I mean, he took off or he's dead. I was like, cool story, bro. What chapter do you shut up in? <laughs> I was like, hi, Dave. Maybe not right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't. I think you're trying to help, but your help is not needed at this time. <laughs> you better don't, David. Yeah. Thank you very much. Go grab a hot dog and think about your choice of words, okay? Yeah. I was like, we don't need that bluntness quite yet. <laughs> we'll get there, David. I hope that we both had the same reaction. I was We're just like, like uh, David, I'm looking at, I don't like his attitude, quite Dave, frankly. Dave, calm down, Dave. Yeah, David, I don't, I don't like you and you're pissing me off. Yeah, take a pill and have a cocktail. Max had been struggling with a drug addiction for, you know, a couple of years, and he'd been in rehab a couple of times. Newtown investigators question Max. Asking Max what his involvement was, whether he knew where his father was, how he got the car that night. Now, we are reminded here that Max has been struggling with his drug addiction for years, and he's been in and out of rehab a couple times. Yep. And so the investigators question Max. They ask him what his involvement was, whether he knows where his dad was, things like that. And he says, I don't know anything. But he does say something that changes the focus of the investigation. Uh, this is a little scary. So he says that his dad had a, quote, altercation with some of Max's, quote, associates. I was like, what do you mean associates, yeah. my man? So this was all over two missing computers. So they were like, all right, okay, maybe it's foul play. Say more. So Lori says that while she was in Turkey, I hate uh, it. I'm I just, hate it every time. I, I'm just, I know. I'm just gonna say it to make. I'm just gonna say it to make you mad. Why? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I've. Yeah, I, yeah. that better that better helps looking better looking. What 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 happened? <laughs> I'm a horrible person. I thought I was in a bad mood, but turns out it's been years. So this is just <laughs> me. So this is me. Oh, oh. All right, go on with your story, Weezer. While she was away. Lori had received disturbing emails from Hoagie about the theft of Lori's laptop computers. Hoagie had locked them up in her car to keep Max from selling them to buy drugs. Hoagie was hiding everything from Max um, to make sure that things weren't being stolen. So he took the laptops, put them in the car, locked the car in the garage. Lori says that she had gotten an email from Hoagie while she was in Turkey. And Hoagie had been hiding things from Max, physical things. He had been hiding, like you said, you know, the keys and stuff. So he had hidden their two laptops and he locked them in the car. Now, Lori's car. And 
And it turns out that while Lori was away, Max had taken her car while Hoagie was sleeping. Yeah. And so apparently he'd been frequenting a rundown area in Bridgeport and had been stripping metal down from abandoned buildings to sell for drug money. I had no idea that was a thing. Oh, the scrap metal business is a big business. Is it really? How do you know this? I I know so many useless things. (laughs) I do. If it's useless, I know it. Congrats. Yeah. Do you know what a group of men is called? I just, what? An audacity. (laughs) God, why do I even come here? I don't. Anyway, all I'm saying is stripping off random metal from an abandoned building sounds like a lot of work and absolutely exhausting. Yeah. But Max told cops that he didn't realize the computers were in the car until he was already in Bridgeport. Yeah, listen, I'm not picking up what he's putting down. Keep going. No, and so he says that he brought the computers into the abandoned warehouse where his buddies were squatting yeah. and hid them there. And then, shocker to no one, the computers were gone. I mean, there's enough holes in this story to drive all 28 Macy's Day Parade floats through. I don't understand. <laughs> However, he told his father, and he and Hoagie went back down to the warehouse yeah. to confront Max's Associates. associates. Yeah. So, of course, his associates denied having anything about knowing anything about the laptops or their whereabouts. Hoagie wrote to Lori and said, Max needs help. And basically, I don't know what to do. And I'm sorry I wasn't able to keep him from this. He read, he needs help. I just don't know where to get it. I'm so sorry I wasn't able to keep him from doing what he has done. I know you trusted him here with me. Damn it. And that was one of the very last emails I got from Hoagie. That's the last email. That was the last email. And Lori reads us the email and he basically says, I've let you down. And I I get it because, listen, when you feel like when something happens to your kids, it is somehow your fault. But as you said before, addiction is a disease. It's nothing that he did and he felt responsible. Yeah. And I understand that. And and no articles or blogs or anything will not make you feel like you did something wrong. Yeah. And I, I have chills even just saying that. And again, and you know, addiction, you know this, addiction turns into like a family disease. It really does. You know, and when a person is, you know, consumed by their, you know, addiction, their loved ones become consumed by it too. And you could tell in this email that Lori read that he was really, really broken up about what Absolutely. he felt he let happen. It's a ripple effect. And you know what? And again, best friend Dave here is saying like, look, what I think happened is that he hypothesizes that Hoagie knew Lori was coming home on Monday. Yeah. And Max said, I know how we can get these computers back. Let's go. And so Hoagie went back down to the warehouse with Max and tells Max to stay in the car and confronts these dudes and something goes wrong. That's what Dave's theory is. But there's no evidence to support it. Right. Detectives searched the derelict building in Bridgeport and tracked down the men. Every one of them was uh, later identified and interviewed. They deny having anything to do with the computers or Mr. Hoagland after the night of the confrontation. Investigators are interested to learn that one of the men has a vehicle. So the detectives search that building. They find the guys that, you know, his associates, and they interrogate them, and they obviously say, we don't know anything. We don't know Hoagie. We don't know anything about the computers. We don't talk about Bruno. You know, so... (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Don't talk about Bruno. (laughs) I quit. <laughs> so and even they find this one guy with like a murder, a murder van. van. <laughs> I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> and they search it for forensics. Nothing comes up leading them to believe that Hoagie was even near the car. Yeah. They take the cadaver dogs, yep. they take the pups. So now Max is actually considered a person of interest. They get Max to agree to take a polygraph and he passed. Yeah, yes, yeah. And and why? Why you say it like that? Well, I mean, you know, polygraphs aren't really like admissible in court. He probably passed. And then I have never heard of this on Neither this episode, but they have him make a written statement and they send it off to the FBI and the FBI indicated his statement was true. That's also like as good of as a polygraph, but they let go of Max being a person of interest and he did plead guilty to that trespassing charge and he's released August 15th. And if you're writing anything down and you're not a cotton-headed ninny muggins, that's 17 days later. <laughs> a what? They're cleaning their kitchens. They a don't what? A cotton-headed ninny muggins? Are you okay? Have you never seen Elf? 
I never heard of that in my life. I have uh, seen Elf many times. A what? A cut? Are you joking me, right? A cotton-headed ninny muggins? What is that? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <gasps> it's Will Ferrell. I, I just, I guess I missed it. How did I miss it? Am I a terrible person? I did not, no, I just don't, I don't have time for you for that, for that nonsense. Okay, it's, you can't judge me. <laughs> I know enough about your exes. You can't judge me. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this is the Putatuck River right here, and this is all part of the Putatuck State Forest. Just a short distance from the Hoagland home is Lake Zor, formed by a nearby river. It's completely accessible from several areas and has some quick currents. Officials decide to search for signs of hoagie with sonar. They send a search team with cadaver dogs to check out the woods above the Hoagland's home. Right. And the first search was about a mile away from the home. And then there was a couple more searches going even further out. There's a, a river called Putatuck River that connects to this lake called Lake Zor. It's very accessible from several areas. It has very quick currents. The officials use sonar to search the lake for any signs of hoagie. Do you think they found... The lake bottom. Why I just walked right yeah, into did. that. Yeah. God, I hate it here. <laughs> Fucking sonars up in here, Budge. Ah, oh, I never met a sonar I didn't like. Kamikaze shots. I know. Do you remember kamikaze oh, shots? Yeah, I had They're actually really good. I barely remember kamikaze shots, but yes, yes, you walked right into that. Next time bottom. we go out, let's do kamikaze oh, shots. God. And then we'll and, and then we'll wake up three days later. Fine by me. Soon, Chris has to return to work in South Carolina, and Lori's youngest son, Sam, departs for study abroad in Europe. More than a month after her husband vanishes. It seems so do the last fragments of Lori's optimism. So the time comes that's always so sad in these investigations. You know, people have to kind of get back to their lives. They can't, you kind of have to leave the investigation, you know, where it is and leave it to the professionals. So Chris, Lori's son, heads back to South Carolina. Their youngest, Sam, had like, you know, scheduled to go abroad to Europe. And Lori's kind of there, left in Connecticut by herself. And it's it's really sad, but what can you do but wait? Yeah. And then one day in the fall, in September, someone reports seeing Hoagie alive and well, carrying a large backpack in Rhode Island. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Because we go back to Lori, who's continuing to cooperate with investigators, and she gives him what is our worst nightmare, his computer. Oh, yeah. You know what you need to do if I ever go missing. Oh, you know what you need to do if I ever go missing. Wipe, Wipe that, that shit, shit clean. clean. Okay? <laughs> and I'd be like, I, and that's my worst nightmare. Officers, I hope you like homosexual activity because you're going to be seeing a lot of it on my computer. Grab some popcorn and enjoy the show. <laughs> gonna be like, hope you like hot dogs. They're going to be like, more? <laughs> College slutty boys play <laughs> tennis. I, what? 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 I, don't I don't know. Yours would be like kitten plays with mothballs. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a cat lady. Yes, I am. Lori cooperates fully with investigators as they dig into Hoagie's life. She hands over his personal computer to police for forensic analysis. They find a program on it designed to clear out any trace of searches on the internet. It was put on within the past month prior to Mr. Hoagland's disappearance. We don't know if the cleaning was done intentionally by Mr. Hoagland or if it was just set up as a, as a routine maintenance. Hold on to your butts. They find a program that's designed to wipe out anyone's internet history. And all I have to say is, what's the name of that program? <laughs> Can they be a sponsor of our <laughs> show? Girl, wipe it clean as that. You don't want your friends to see your nasty internet history, do you? No, but seriously, actually, like it. This this is the part that really took yep. me back. It was installed a month prior to his disappearance. I mean, that is wild. That and that really that made me sit up in my seat. Yeah, because that. It doesn't look great. Yeah. And then they also looked at the computer that was at the law office, you know, the one that he was a clerk at, and they found this weird address that he kept searching over and over again, and it was an address in Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. But then Lieutenant Robinson says, unfortunately, it led to a dead end, and I'm like, can you elaborate? 
Yeah, could you give us just a little bit more information on that? They're like, no, literally a dead end. It was a (laughs) (laughs) cul-de-sac. So investigators are wondering, did he buy a map so that he could navigate Rhode Island? Like, is that why he got one from the gas station? Right. Now, Lori says, look, Hoagie was focused on saving Max. He wanted Max to get sober and be okay. And one of his ideas was taking a month-long trip with Max on the Appalachian Trail in hopes he could get better. And all I'm thinking is, I have seen too many Skinwalker TikTok videos. I found myself in a weird part of TikTok, and they talk about on the Appalachian, and and the Apple, how do you call it? Well, I don't want to throw you to the wolves, but I'm going to throw you to the wolves. Why? It's Appalachian. (gasps) Yeah. Can we please erase this? No, we're leaving it. We're leaving it because me and Patricia went through it. My DMs blew up like the time my nudes leaked. It's... (laughs) I it's you this it is, is Appalachia? Yes, this is how you remember. I'm gonna throw an Appalachia. That's listen, you'll you're gonna hear it. Don't flare your nostrils at me, you nasty ass. I'ma throw a Appalachia. Yeah, I'm gonna th- you'll never forget it. <laughs> that also sounds so Louisiana, it's not even yeah, funny. Ap- I'm gonna throw an Appalachia. So Appalachian Trail. Appalachian. Yeah, and we're leaving all of this, and then you guys. It's Joey Taranto is his DMs. Do not bother me in the disappeared pod DMs. I will not be accepting any DMs <laughs> about this. How dare you throw me to I'm the wall? I'm so sorry. Listen, this is your baptism. This is your baptism in the Appalachian Trail, baby. Okay, well, guess what? I'm scared of skinwalkers <laughs> in the Appalachian Trail. Oh, boy. Anyway, all of that said, listen, you learn something every day. I'm a sponge. Let me absorb it all. Absorb it? Absorb it. Yeah. Jesus, except consonants. (laughs) Anyway, so that was the plan, to get Max sober and keep him out of trouble. Now, there's a lot of speculating at this point. Like, maybe Hoagie got that map so he could show Max where they were going and how to read a map, or that Hoagie had gone out there to check out the area and had an accident. Yeah. A lot of speculation. Yeah. But, like, the car. Yeah, I know. So, Someone says they saw Hoagie get into a car with New York plates and it was outside a store. So they pull up the surveillance footage outside the store. And Lori said, you know, it did kind of look like him. Now, we've seen this before a couple times. Remember the McStay family? Yes. Right? Where they're like, they thought they saw them crossing the Mexican border. Oh, and little Bubba. Was it his name, Bubba? Bubba, yeah. So, like, while there's not an exact term for that, they call it cognitive distortion. And it's a way, basically, of your mind playing tricks on you. Yeah. Right? Like, Like, if you, you know, accepting that, like, your brain can actually make you see things that aren't there. And it's sort of like... It's sort of like a false sense of hope. And Lori sort of analyzes it. She's like, you know, I really could have convinced myself that was him. But this was so astute. She said his gait was different. And she's like, I just had to realize that I was like making it be him because I wanted it to be him. And we also saw this on the very first episode I ever recorded of Jerry Johnson. Where they thought that the guy that they, you know, that they found in Georgia was the same. Or was it maybe it wasn't Georgia, but I remember. But it was it was the same situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people just, you know, they get their hopes up and that just means you're like excited with the possibility you know that something could be that something good is going you know not best friend dave yeah no 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 (laughs) dave came in hot and was like hey i like this walk yeah he'll walk like that (laughs) dave's really here to keep it real (laughs) you know i get my hopes up that i'll find love again you will (laughs) that sounds like something i don't ever want in my life again but thank you okay (laughs) all right hoagie went missing six months after the sandy hook elementary school shootings Conspiracy theorists went on social media and tried to link Hoagie's disappearance to that tragedy. My father was nowhere near the level of going to help out someone shoot the school. That just doesn't make any sense. And for people to say that and for people to accuse my father of being involved with the Sandy Hook shooting was was wrong. It was rude. It hurt. It hurt me. Now, seriously, pull over. Hold on to your butts. That was such an awful, awful, sad event. 20 children as well as six adults. Horrific. Were brutally, you you know what happened. So there were these awful conspiracy theories on social media that the two were linked somehow. 
I'm going to say go ahead now and, and log off. Like, not from the internet, but, like, from life. Yeah. Like, people, You're done. Yeah, you are done. Go choke on a fucking Olive Garden breadstick, you fuck bubble. I'm talking so, to you, Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah, they were saying it was a hoax that he was involved. I was like, that is absolutely nauseating for this poor family. Also, harassing residents in the area who've been dealing with the trauma of a horrific event like yeah. this happening in their very backyards. Yeah. But having to contend with heartless dipshits who have nothing better to do with their time. Find a hobby. Yeah. Find a friend. Find Jesus. Yeah. But sweet Lord, anything but this. Yeah. So after months, everything kind of, you know, on the internet settles and they're able to do some air searches in the winter. And then Lori just absolutely breaks my heart. She says, I don't think he's alive. I don't. Even though that's sad to hear, sometimes I think that, like, that maybe gives her peace. Yeah. That he's not, you know, suffering or he didn't leave on purpose. And you can see, like, she's still broken up over it. Yeah. I mean, how are you, how could you not be? But you can see in her face the journey that she's had with the worry and the terror and the, it's your worst nightmare. Yeah. It is your absolute worst nightmare. Yeah. So there's a couple of other dead ends and leads that lead absolutely nowhere, which to me is just so painful for the family. Absolutely. I hate it. But as of today, Robert Hoagland is still missing. He has been missing for nine years. So if you have any information as to the whereabouts of Robert Hoagland, you were asked to call the Newtown Police at 203-426-5841. And also, if you're out there struggling with addiction, there is help out there for you. You can call one 800 662 4357 to begin your path to sobriety. We love you. We want you to be okay. And there's nothing you can't come back from. We love you so much. And we send so much love to the Hoagland family. This poor family. Say something funny. Well, people, it's never a good idea to confront people with lead pipes. <laughs> unless it's one of Ellen's exes. Let's get them. Bow, 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 For the record, I am absolutely joking. I do not advocate violence. I mean, have I told you the story of the Carlisle Hotel at 3.30 in the morning on Tony Morning? You know the story. Verbally. The taxi cab. Verbally. Yeah. Do you know that somebody DM'd me today and said, can you give the DBs a scenario of when you got into an actual fight? I'm like, are you trying to get me to incriminate myself? She's sweet and pretty, but she's vicious. <laughs> you don't want to be on the other side of those orangutan arms. <laughs> she got claws. If you would like more of me and Joey, join the Drama Club. It's our Patreon. You get three bonus episodes plus a little something extra every month. We just did our Hot Takes episode, which you guys loved. That was so fun. I'm so happy you guys enjoyed it. It was so fun. Listen, we do what you want. We have something really fun coming up in May. Oh, I guess I can tell you. We're bringing back trivia. You guys asked for it. We are here for whatever you want. We love your ideas. We love all your ideas. We have taken your suggestions. We have a long list of series to cover. We heard you and we are covering pink collar crimes on our Patreon. These are some nasty, nasty ladies who get caught, you know, robbing some banks. A couple of Ponzi schemes, but the good news is they're where they belong, and that is behind bars. Honey, I can't wait to meet them. Also, make sure you come and hang out with us on the Facebook group. It's called Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group. You should see how adorably proud he is right now. His eyes are <laughs> beaming. Also, come hang out with us on Instagram. It's Obsessed with Disappeared on Instagram. You can also check us out on TikTok with Obs at Obsessed Disappeared. Obsessed with Disappeared. That's it. Wow. Can you just? I was just excited. Tell about your social media, Ellen Marsh. You can find me at Ellen Marsh on pretty much everything, but I think I'm Ellen Marie Marsh on TikTok, and you're Joey Taranto on everything? Uh, on Instagram or on Twitter, Joey underscore Taranto. Where he gets real, real spicy. <laughs> it is a little spicy, not always. However, when are you going to change your Instagram handle to Yellen Marsh? I'm not. It's a missed opportunity. We love you so much, <laughs> and we just wanted to say thank you for being an amazing community of down bitches. We got to see so many down bitches and give so many hugs at the TCO Broadway show. It was it so really, fun. really made us so happy. You guys are the best. We love you. We love Bye. you. Bye. If you're listening to this on the East Coast, say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> Went through with me. One, two, three. Schmear. I, I love the adventure of it, but the real, like, you know, feet on my ground part of... Feet on the ground? Uh-oh. Feet on the ground. 
What is it? Feet on the ground. <laughs> it's true. There's such an evil bird. Wow. Wow. Are you going to be okay? Are you all right? Y'all, she is just tickled pink. She is just tickled pink. It's true. Tough love is hard except for Stork. <laughs> and, and so the investigators. What does that happen? I don't like your attitude well, now. What, what's wrong Maybe with Maybe you need a hot dog. <laughs> now the investigators, how do we get on hot dogs? <laughs> that sounds really good. Makes me want a hot dog real, real bad. bad. Hoagie was, uh, Hoagie. 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 Look, Hoagie. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with me.